Hello world and welcome to my podcast, The Bull, The China Shop and I. This is a show for everybody who is ready to rock the boat and instigate. Some will call it a rant. I'm calling it an overdue cleansing of what is swept under the rug to make room for better, for bolder and for braver. My name is Isabella Izzy Tzatzek and yes, I'm an instigator, but on the side of the angels. Yep, I did steal that line from my second favorite TV show, The West Wing. It is all about the uncomfortable topics and challenges out there in the business world that we all know about, but don't want to talk about, or do we? What we're going to do on this show is to take uncomfortable truths apart and discuss direction we could take going forward to approach these truths for action and impact. So let's open Pandora's box and turn what comes out of it into goodness. My one for this podcast, raise voices, trigger change, and start actions and a movement. So let's get started. I'm grateful that you're here with us. The future of work is covered. So what about the present state of work affairs? What I would like to start with today is business improvements or are you doing the work versus ticking the box? So hand to heart, how are you doing with your improvement strategy? Are you improving much? I mean, it's the new year, isn't it? What baseline did you set to measure the success of your improvement initiatives? What did you agree upon when setting out to improve your strategy? And are you willing to do what it takes to actually improve, also known as investing time, money, and energy for lasting, repeatable, and scalable capabilities? Can you say that you are truly committed to improvement and change? Or are you simply ticking the box on L&D by scratching the surface with a three-day team workshop one-day leadership seminars, and a 90-minute motivational keynote? And how tired are you of growing operational costs that are not showing up in your results and in turn create even more friction in your business workflow? When you look at your market and your competition, are they doing it differently and are they more successful? Let's sink that in. Peter Drucker once said, the most serious mistakes are not being made as a result of wrong answers. The true dangerous thing is asking the wrong questions. Hmm. Yes, it does take a lot of questions to understand what the challenge is and even more questions to identify the root causes of any issue. And yes, an analysis must be hard and unemotional to get to the bottom of it all when you're serious about improvements, no matter small or audacious ones. Let's set some boundaries right from the beginning, looking for the silver bullet, the magic wand, the next big management book to instantly alleviate your all your business sorrows and pains is out of the question. Otherwise, please zo- join the search for the Holy Grail. It is apocryphal. It is the stuff of fairy tales and urban myths and the birthplace of way too many management fans already plaguing small to medium to large companies around the globe. Or as G.K. Chesterton said, It's not that they can't see the solution, they can't see the problem. So guilty of reading an overwhelming amount of management improvement books myself, probably making up only 5% of what is out there in the world, 
it ca I came up with the following analogy of what the actual outcome and impact of these books are. You buy the latest and greatest book about how to train your dog to follow your every command. And you cannot for the life of you figure out why your cat isn't changing her behavior. You are puzzled because a pet is a pet, right? And at least something should dramatically change just by absorbing the written word biosmosis. Well, not so much. And nine months later, the invested budget is gone. Probably some key employees as well. That is, if they haven't been drained of all their energy turning into the working dead. And still no improvements in sight with the next performance review around the corner. Please don't get me wrong. There are brilliant books out there that when implementing the essence of their message can truly make a difference. However, jumping on these and hastily implementing almost force feeding them to employees actually shows that a company has not taken the time to seriously identify problems and their causes to listen and understand to the current environment, resources and people in their business and to align the current state of the business to future aspirations. Let me ask you this, would you buy a house without having an inspection done first to make an informed decision on what your next actions are? What we see happening in businesses though, is that more and more tweaks and band-aids are applied to keeping things going, avoid any disruption and showcase short-term wins. What is actually happening is that the root causes are covered up and not aired out and in the worst case and very likely scenario, manifest deeper and keep on growing, resulting in even more desperate measures. So, I beg of you, please cease and desist your search for a one-size-fits-all solution and face the music. Rip off the band-aids. Yes, I know it hurts. Take a deep breath and lead. It is one, uh, one thing to figure out that improvements are needed either before or immediately after cracks and gaps are identified and named in your business foundation, strategy, and workflow. What comes next is, without doubt, the most crucial part, though, to align focus, agreement, and resources. It needs to be led and lived by the top to reach the hearts and minds of the bottom. To yield repeatable and sustainable results, a company needs to have everyone in the company on board, dedicated to purpose. Everyone must understand the current state and the purpose of required change through clear and specific communication, commitment to work, and committed to do the work. Everyone must show up and be present, being encouraged and recognized for being vocal and showing initiative and invest time and energy. Engagement in its continuous practice. Clear and precise role mandates to support their work initiatives, providing resources, tracking improvements and continuing an open and transparent dialogue to request honest feedback, foster inclusion and collaboration and make improvements personal. So here are a couple of statistics to help the medicine go down. Think about that. 90% of leaders think an engagement strategy will impact business success. 
However, only 25% have one. So I took that from Office Vibe. Here's another one from Gallup. 15% of employees worldwide are engaged in their jobs. Whoa. I think that number has gone down even further, given all the recent changes and all the other management fads making their turn. Disengaged employees, for example, cost US companies up to 550 billion a year. 550 billion a year. And that is according to the Engagement Institute and a joint study by the conference board, Sirota Mercer, Deloitte, ROI, the Culture Works and Consulting LLP. And last but not least, 11 billion is lost annually due to employee turnover. And that number is not even a current one from the source, the Bureau of National Affairs. Those numbers are likely to go up over time and probably have, especially over the past two years. And here's also one that should encourage all of us to really look into what improvements are needed. Because companies with engaged employees see 2.5 times more revenue than companies with disengaged employees, according to an Office Vibe study. These statistics are truly showing that the pool of improvement and potential is big. A moment of truth. How can you assess whether a company is tapping into this pool and doing the work it takes or whether they're dabbling their feet in the water and ticking the boxes on a scorecard? Here are a couple of issues that are the outcome. Dabbling, tweaking and scratching the surface. So decline in customer loyalty and retention quality and productivity loss, increase of rework, delivery delays, rise in services and goodwill credits, increased board and shareholder pressure, staff turnover that is going beyond the organic organic churn. Sound familiar? Well, there you go. This is what happens when you choose dabbling, tweaking and scratching the surface instead of investing the time and the energy the money and the resources, and facing the uncomfortable analysis for true change. So this is not an original story by a long shot, but clearly it's time to become serious about continuous improvements and making them stick for the betterment of people, performance, and yes, also profit. Because, quoting Joe Namath here, if you're not going to go all the way, why go at all? Which brings us to... The buzzword that has been around for quite some time and has been even more so accelerated by the pandemic. It is the very broad and yet hopeful future of work or new work. Somehow it always reminds me of Star Wars episode, I think four it is, A New Hope. Here to save the future of work or is it to save it from work? And before everyone calls me Debbie Downer, I'm grateful for the many people out in the world thinking, writing about, and discussing what work could and quite frankly should look like in the future. But what about the now? The future depends on what you do today. Nope, not me saying it, but Mahatma Gandhi. Every time I see the hashtag or read the article about new work, the future of work, I think of the following quote by Mother Teresa. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow has has not yet come. 
We have only today. Let us begin. I find it interesting that society and humankind either seems to dwell in the past, and yes, I have to admit I'm guilty as charged, or is in a futuristic frenzy, wrecking their heads whether robots will already serve the chai at a nearby coffee shop next summer, on polar opposites while the pre present is either ignored, taken for granted, or simply condoned. But let's go back to the future of work, or is it actually back to the future? And the FOW, yes, I love acronyms, so future of work, right? Concepts presented something radically new or even remotely unique? Are they? Hand to your heart, how many methodologies, systems, practices, concepts have you come across and or lived through that were utterly distinct and different and have seriously and positively impacted the way we work today. Good writers borrow, great writers steal, is what Sam Seaborn said in The West Wing. Now let's ponder that for a while, shall we? Quite frankly, looking at the methods and tools I use in my consulting practice, I owe the majority of techniques to the great thinkers and creators who came before me, Masaki Imai, Maslow, Einstein, Eitel, mixed in with some new age innovations such as design thinking or the leadership circle. What I like to do is to apply whatever part is needed out of each methodology, sprinkle in active listening, a good dosage of common sense, experience from the trenches and some E, Y and C, Q. So why did I just write all of that? Well, The point I'm trying to make is if the new work concepts are now not radically new, but rather evolutions of existing methods and systems, why are we so hopeful for their future implementation if none of them have really seemed to benefit work so far? I'm not one to tussle no matter what they do to me, but seriously, folks, why are we not seeing the great future of work at work now? Picture this, imagine companies could be serious about culture, change management, pay equality, pay equity, diversity, inclusion, and consequences that would follow egregious actions. The positive outcome of this endeavor would be that there wasn't yet another market to regurgitate existing concepts that will, without any doubt, add to the 90,000 management and 70,000 leadership books out there already. But foremost, we all could finally live somewhat happily in the present. What a novel and strangely utopian thought, isn't it? This is not a jab at new work creators and thinkers. Please continue to do you and to spread the immensely important work you're doing. What irks me is that companies are yet again chasing the next shiny object, or in this case, buzzword, spending more focus on the future than on the actions that must happen now. Squirrels to the left, squirrels to the right, and here we are, stuck in the middle. And again, the present seems to be put on the sideline as everyone and everything is ordered to march towards all future of things. But how does a company expect to get to the future of work if the current state of the business is beyond fragile? What about the cracks in the foundation that are growing and the internal frustrations 
that are deepening day by day. One option could be to wait for a sinkhole to open, for all of it to be swallowed and start afresh. But for the sake of humanity, let's discard that option right away, okay? So here is what I want, my manifesto for the present of work, the now of work, as I would love to call it. I want a company to inspect their foundation, not just in a crisis, but every year with a diverse and alternating group of stakeholders. I want companies not to faff around, be sensitive or ego-driven about their challenges, gaps, and weaknesses. Guess what? A company is still run by humans, and humans are deeply flawed, and that is perfectly okay. I want companies to ask for help and input, and to please start with their employees first. They are the goldmine for growth and innovation. I want companies to stop misusing JFK's ask not what your country can do for you for their gain. Seriously, enough already. This quote was not meant to be a mission statement for businesses. I want companies to stand up and admit failure and bear the consequences without being paid handsomely for negatively impacting and oftentimes ruining people's lives. I want companies to be aware of their limits and when time has come for their management to develop successes and leaders and then to stand down and leave. I want companies to make an insane amount of profit, but not off the backs of their employees or vendors or customers. I want companies to accept and work through criticism and issues without retaliating on people who have the courage to speak up. This is what true inclusion looks like. I want companies to walk the talk, their company policies and values, not everyone deserves a second chance, trust me. I want companies to be transparent. Nepotism was and will never be productive and profitable. I want companies to be serious about culture, change management, pay equity, diversity, equality, inclusion and belonging. And if the going gets tough to remember why the changes were necessary. It is called growing pains for a reason. Be patient with the process and follow through for changes to stick. I want companies to invest their profit in their employees and customers and to give back to their community, to build and retain top talent, skills, and excellence for the market, the environment, sustainability, and the health of everyone impacted. Foremost, I want to com want companies to understand that work and organizations can be both meaningful and measurable. By meaningful, I'm talking about joy. And with measurable, I'm talking about profits and bottom line. Albert Camus said, real generosity towards the future lies in giving all to the present. The solution is to commit to the work now. The reward is what future greatness and legacy is all about. We have a lot to do, so... Let's start now. Thank you for listening to The Bull, The China Shop and I with yours truly, Isabella Izitsatze. If you like our show and want to know more about the podcast and me, myself and I, please check out www.thebullthechinashopandi.com and leave us a review on the platform of your choice. Oh, and if you have any uncomfortable truths ready to be exposed, let us know. We want to hear from you. Always remember this Izzyism. 
Your uncomfortable truths are the foundation of permanent revolutions.